Hello. Hello. <laughs> Guess what? We're together. We're together. <laughs> Those watching on YouTube can see we're together. Those listening, we're together. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often anymore, but <laughs> welcome to Killer Hangover. I am Beth. And I'm Bettina. And this is episode 134. Okay. <laughs> we're on top of things. We are ready. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I literally just got back from a doctor's appointment and then it's like, put the kid down, get downstairs. Let's start recording. It's just kind of bing, bang, bouncing, bing, bang, bouncing. Okay. <laughs> Made sense in my head. I have the true crime this week. Mom has the paranormal and the beverage. I do. One of these days, very soon we will be drinking our beverages together. together. Yes. We're covering the state of Wisconsin. How's your week been? Crazy busy, but you know. In a good way. Yeah. Busy is better than not bored. Busy. Yeah, yeah. I think so. A little over busy right now, but that's okay. I mean, my house is a mess. I don't have time sometimes to even go to the bathroom. Excuse me. But <laughs> let alone clean my house. It is the bathroom. No, honestly, what do you do hold it. Well, yeah, I'm not wearing cool. any adult diapers. <laughs> You're asking for a bladder infection, woman. <laughs> go to the bathroom if you have to go to the bathroom do i need to pause this do you need to go right now are you that busy oh i do no. oh god <laughs> this is not an ad for adult diapers <laughs> but it could be uh okay well busy's good busy's good we've been really busy too not just because of the new baby coming and getting everything ready but whose brilliant idea was it to have two kids birthdays that are two weeks apart i don't think you had much to do with that <laughs> that's I mean, hard you birthed them but i didn't think you planned it. no that way no so. that's really hard we had a five-year-old and then two weeks later we have a seven-year-old and so it's just parties at school parties with friends parties with families cake. and valentine's in the middle of that yeah we've had so much cake and there's still some leftover. <laughs> so much cake. I ordered the second birthday's cake. And my husband goes, well, what are you going to do with the first cake that's still sitting here on the counter? And I was like, well, I'm going to wait for them to go to school. And then I think I'm going to have to toss it because it's just too much cake. Thank God they like different kinds of cake. That is one that had like a strawberry swirl cake. Mm -hmm. And then we got a marble chocolate cake. So we've had some Anyway, lots of cake. <laughs> All right. Anyway, mom, what are you drinking for the Wisconsin episode? This is called a summer wind cocktail. Now, I have to tell you, I, I chose the name for a reason. You'll see. But there are so many different kinds. I mean, there is a Thomas cocktail. Why does that name sound familiar? Anyway, I don't think go so. on, mom. There's like a rum one. There's a tequila one. There's a, I mean, they're all different. And some of them have a lot of stuff in them. And since I was traveling to get to you, I thought the easiest, the better. So this one, you know, I've, I'm turning to a real bourbon whiskey. You are. Person. I, I love this stuff. Anyway, well, <laughs> that made me sound like an alcoholic, but I do enjoy an old-fashioned very much and this is kind of but it's 
even easier. So um, you have to muddle the orange. And I obviously didn't muddle it very well because it floated up. But you take the orange skin and muddle it. And may I advise the orange to be room temperature rather than cold? Uh Uh-oh, yours is cold. I know. It's hard to muddle it. And and you muddle it to release the oils that are in the skin. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of hard when it's cold. That makes sense. Doesn't it, though? Sorry. My fault. She okay. Gave me the orange for a snack for the kids, but said, "But I need the peel. <laughs> I need one little sliver of the peel. Put it in the fridge." <laughs> but one ounce of Maker's Mark. I sorry, I love Maker's Mark, but I didn't have that on hand. So you? Well, I didn't see it. Oh, I did. I must have drank it. I did. <laughs> so one ounce of Maker's Mark, a half an ounce of orange liqueur, an orange wedge. There you go. And then fill the rest with ginger ale. And I use diet ginger ale. You muddle the orange wedge in the bottom of the glass. Make sure it's room temperature. Add some ice. Add the makers and orange liqueur and fill with ginger ale. Really easy. Is it good? Yeah. It actually is delicious. So. All right. Well, it's very good. Well, this is really easy to drink because it has one ounce and then a half an ounce. So one and a half ounces of alcohol doesn't really fill much of the glass. So there's a lot of ginger ale in here. Okay. Well, you're going to, you might want to hold that drink for my story. Why? You might want your cocktail for my story. Oh, so I shouldn't have guzzled it (laughs) because. Or continue guzzling it. I don't know. All right. Drink in hand, microphone in the other hand. I'm ready. Yes. First of all, I wanted to start. I was like looking at my notes over here. Yes. First of all, I wanted to to start with, yes, we're on YouTube. Yes. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that we're on YouTube. If you're listening, hey, reminder, we're on YouTube. But if you're watching YouTube, wow. (laughs) Do us a favor and like and subscribe. They already turned us off now. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. Follow, like, subscribe. We really appreciate it. You know, you know the deal. Even if you listen on podcasts and you haven't yet, if you would leave us a nice review and some stars, that'd some be stars. lovely. Yep. It just pushes us up to the top of the ranks. <laughs> we got a long way to go to get to the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just, it's just nice. It's just nice to see. Sometimes when you're doing work like this, like a podcast like this, um, you need a little positive reinforcement. Yeah, but it's, I feel like, you know, I talked to you about it and I talked to like my husband about it, but here I am talking to his screen right now. I don't, no, see, no... I don't see a reaction. I right. don't right. hear a reaction. So I kind of, I don't know, is there something you want us to work on? Like that one commenter that said, I said really too much, but that was great. But I want to know. Right. <laughs> so right. more positive than negative, preferably on <laughs> my self-esteem, but <laughs> I, we take it, it helps. I it mean, helps. Even the we criticism does. So we're even those nice comments we've been getting, we really appreciate it. So yeah. Oh, before I forget and before you start, we have over a hundred and one thousand listens. No, we have like a thousand one hundred and ten now. Wow, it climbed. Downloads. Wow. <laughs> we're gonna move on. But if you would do us a favor and just follow and like and subscribe, we appreciate you. Thank you. So enough of that chit chat. Before I jump into this case, I need to warn you of its graphic, very graphic nature. Oh, better warn our listeners. I did. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, oh boy. We can get Maybe through this. Put the drink down. <laughs> okay. 
I'm going to give you a heads up. It's really yucky. It gets really yucky. So if you need to bow out a true crime and fast forward to mom's paranormal, you take care of you. You do what you need to do. Mom, you're stuck here. Not really. I could get up, but you've got me blocked in. So I guess no, you are physically stuck here. (laughs) You have me to get by and two dogs, two sleeping dogs. Okay. We chose to cover stories from Wisconsin and I chose to cover Ed Gein. (laughs) Oh, I should have guessed that. I know. I thought you would. Wisconsin graphic. I'm about to like, you know, have a baby and we're going to try, try, try not to skip any weeks for like a maternity leave. But I wanted to like get tackle a big one before. This is a big one. All right. (laughs) Okay. Researching this guy. And I hate to say this and I know it's going to be it's probably a very unpopular opinion. I'm probably going to get some flack. I just asked everybody to leave comments. Maybe not on this episode. Uh, I feel really bad for him. What? (laughs) You better have something to back that up. I feel horrible for this man. I really do. I think he had all the cards stacked against him and he had no, nobody to lean on, didn't know right from wrong situation, honestly. Well, we're listening. I do not justify what he did. That does not justify that. I'm not saying what he did was not disgusting and very disturbing. It was wrong. It was wrong. Internets. It was wrong. But it's just so sad. And I'll let you form your opinion. We can chat about it. Okay, here's the story of Edward Theodore Gein, also called the Butcher of Plainfield. Edward was born August 27th, 1906 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. His father, George, didn't necessarily work. He had like odd jobs here and there. He worked as a carpenter, a tanner, a farmer. Uh, but according to all of my resources, he was literally described as an abusive alcoholic. Oh, no. He was scrutinized and basically referred to as useless by Ed's mother, Augusta. Now, you've seen the movie Psycho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that relationship, that woman in that movie is so similar to Augusta. And I know that was that whole story was based around Ed Gein. Psycho was? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. It's pretty accurate. Augusta, <laughs> I know that that movie was very Hollywooded up, as we say, mm-hmm. but I don't, Augusta was just, she was a fanatically religious, very domineering woman. Everything was done her way, period. Oh. And all else was evil and vile. And she was, <gasps> okay. She was just a tough, a tough cookie. Okay. Can't even call her a cookie because there's no sweetness there to her. No sweet. <laughs> there was no sweetness to this woman. She supported her family with a grocery store business. She was a grocer. A grocer. <laughs> oh no, we're going back. I thought you'd get a little kick out of that one. <laughs> a grocer. Grocer. I don't remember what episode that was. We had an argument on the podcast all- about a grocery store grocery store (laughs) here we go again okay ed had an older brother henry he was i believe five years older than ed and the two boys were taught and i don't know if taught was the right word it was drilled into their heads at a young age that women and sex and all acts of sex were evil oh okay their man parts were evil no procreation there no 
and I think I get to it. Maybe I don't. But at the age of 21, she made them vow that they were going to stay virgins. Mom, she caught Ed or Henry masturbating, excuse me, in the bathtub when they were in their teen years. She ripped them out of the bathtub by their man parts. Like she was the most dumb. I can't even, I'm not. What was she doing walking in the bathroom when they were teenagers? I don't know, mom. She's, how did she bear two children? With somebody she hated too. She didn't talk anything nice about George. Okay. Um. Okay. Went on that tangent. Let's see. Yeah. Their father was worthless. If they did everything her way. She was very successful in her grocery store. She was, but she was disgusted with the growth of the city they lived in, La Crosse. I mean, it was becoming a very immoral city filled with sinners. So in 1914, when Ed was eight years old, she moved their family to Plainfield, Wisconsin, to a 195-acre farm where their closest neighbor was like a mile away. Wow. She wanted to make sure. Ed and Henry began school at this really small one-room school building with 12 students. Ed was okay with schooling, but one thing he excelled in and enjoyed doing was reading. He really loved to read. But school was really hard for the Gein boys. For Ed, it was difficult because he was born with a growth over his left eyelid, which caused him to have a lazy eye. Mm Mm-hmm. And he also had a lesion on his tongue that caused him to speak a little odd. Mm -hmm. So you have the bullying aspect of things. Yeah. Then you have this crazy mother at home who literally refused them to have any friends, which I feel so bad for them. See where I feel? You feel bad for their children at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He would come home crying from kids making fun of him. And his alcoholic father would repeatedly beat him in the head till his ears started ringing oh gosh so i already talked about just the mother did not want them making any friends because they're all sinners as both the boys grew she instilled in them that they were destined to be failures just like their father at the age of 14 ed graduated from the eighth grade and that was the end of his schooling he didn't do any more schooling although he still remained an avid reader Mm -hmm. okay And his subjects, as he grew up, became kind of your favorite subjects. Mom, he loved to read about the bizarreties. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's the only thing we have in common. (laughs) (laughs) He loved studying different cultures, and he'd hide these books from his mom. She would never have allowed any of this. But he loved anatomy, and he loved reading about grave robbering, robbering, robbing, robbing, robbering. (laughs) And shrunken heads really fascinated him. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do heads shrink? Well, he figured it out. Oh, just say are you going to tell us? No. Oh. I do not go into the process of head shrinking on this episode. I'm sorry. We'll save that for a Patreon exclusive. I to look into look. that. Sorry, patrons. <laughs> you think? I mean, you have a skull. The skull doesn't shrink. I'm going to look into this. Both Henry and Ed lived at home. And when Ed was around 30... 31 his father died uh well no not yet he became a helpless invalid according to resources i'm using bunny ears there i'm not calling him that that's a horrible thing to call anybody but he was completely dependent on his family so ed and henry they started getting odd jobs around town they would you know farm 
work as handyman around town. But Ed also worked as a babysitter. Oh, all right. At 31? Yeah, at 30, 31. Okay. Yes, that does sound creepy, but take a step back. Let's think with our soft hearts here. Think of how he had spent his entire life. He was never allowed to have friends. I don't think, I really don't believe in many resources don't claim it was anything sinister about him hanging out with these children, but he could, and he's the butcher of Plainfield. I get it. But I think he, he's really, it's innocent at this point. He was innocent. He's just connecting with these kids. He can play with these kids, imagination with these kids. And well, I'm sure he's kind of socially awkward. And so, so he can relate with children can, better than adults. My exact next sentence is he can really relate with these children. I didn't see that. I just thought that. <laughs> And at this time, both Ed and Henry were considered trustworthy and reliable young men. Okay. 1940, he's 34, year old, 34 years old, and this is when Ed's father passes away. Augusta obviously claimed his death was because he was weak. Ed and Henry continued their odd jobs around town to support Augusta. Fast forward, Henry is 39 and Ed is 34. They're both still living at home, but Henry is dying to get out of his of his house and he did not share the same worshiping relationship that ed did of his mother he started to really question his mother oh and he would criticize his mother a lot and stand up to her and just like this is not how the world works there are different views and kind of this really shocked ed he couldn't believe like you're questioning mom wow so how did that work for henry well in 1944, there was a fire that broke out on the Gein property, and Ed and Henry went out to try to stop the spread. It was then that Henry died. Ed reported this to police, that there's a fire and I can't find Henry. Well, when the fire was put out, he led police straight to Henry's body. Oh, that happened. And when they found him, he's not burnt. Oh. So yes, you can die from smoke inhalation. I know, I understand that. But it was just a very mysterious situation and he had some bruising to his head Mm. so some theorize that this might have been ed sick of him sick of henry standing up to augusta or talking back to augusta and stepping in the fights maybe even augusta made him do it oh she did have that kind of control over ed Mm -hmm. or literally it was an accident and he just knew this is the last place i saw him and it's just pure coincidence right we can only speculate at this point. He's never said anything. And, and later on, he will confess to the people that he kills. So I feel like he Why would, not add Henry if he did it? Right. Unless he's hiding it for his mom. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe mom killed him. A few months after the loss of Henry, Augustus' health starts to decline. Ed lives and breathes for his mother. He stays by her side, like through everything. She starts to have like a like strokes. She has a couple strokes, and it, this eventually leads to her death in December of 1945. Ed, as you can imagine, took Augusta's death very hard. I almost said very again. I stopped myself. I'm learning. <laughs> he actually boarded up his mother's bedroom and sitting room and preserved it in a museum-like state. His appearance. Although he was pretty much usually found kind of disheveled, mm-hmm. it got much. He's probably very much depressed. Worse. Yes. 
he continued to live on the farm and did odd jobs here and there, but people said he just was aloof and he really kind of started to smell because he's not taking care of himself at all. He was aloof and didn't use a loofah or whatever. <laughs> That was actually pretty good. I know, right? <laughs> oh, mom. I will make sure mom posts some photos I found in my research uh, on our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. It's nothing gruesome. I wouldn't no, ask we don't for you do to that. post that. But it shows how this man was living. The house was a total mess. And as things got harder for him, he would just board off that room. So I think towards the end he only lived in like the living room a quarter of the bedroom in the kitchen and even that was like order-esque very dirty oh. but then what with the pictures I want you to post are is that the area that was his mother's her sitting room so clean pristine okay yeah so it's it's so fascinating and this kind of shows you too of the I think a mental disorder I mean, I don't think I, I know. Decline, right. Yeah. And I think he was probably born with one, never got help. And then he has all this abuse and this stuff getting just drilled into his head about certain things. Do you see where I kind of feel bad for him because he's he lost He without his mother? He has, but even with his mother, he was lost. If you think about it, no, I know, but he's feeling all these horrible things in his, in his mind head. now, though. Now he has, he has nothing. nothing, right. He doesn't know how to live or care for himself. Or even think, because she basically thought for them. Yeah. So you see where I, mm. I feel like, and there's nobody he can depend on. It, his friends were children. You can't, that's where I just feel so sad for him. Again, this is not make up for what happens no. here soon, but it's just so sad because I don't see, a, there's no light in, in his tunnel. I don't know how to describe it, but there's. It's sad. Two years after his mother's death, Ed is intensely lonely, which he later said led him to strange visions. And this is when he starts visiting the cemetery where his mom is buried, just to visit oh. with his mom. Mm -hmm. There's nothing abnormal about him visiting his mom in the cemetery. No. We, we all visit our family, relatives. His mother was his entire life. So this is not abnormal. He starts going to visit her time and time again until one day, and this is where it gets gruesome, I'm sorry, he decided to dig her up. He said he reached in and twisted her head off with his bare hands. He took the head home with him and he shrunk it. And like, I'll let you know in some podcasts later how he did that. <laughs> well, he had been reading about it for years. He was so fascinated by head shrinkage and how these different cultures were doing that, and he trunk his mother's head all right oh, after that for the next four years from 47 to 51 he began taking many evening visits to surrounding cemeteries as many as 40 most of the time he left without doing anything he would just hang out of go the cemetery. and hang out at the cemetery but on at least nine occasions he dug up middle-aged women so he would read about them in the obituaries first, or maybe see a photo of them in the paper. And then he would go and unbury them. He'd take what he wanted from the body. So he's not taking the entire body. Maybe he just takes an arm or her head or. Okay. This guy <laughs> has got to be really strong. Well, I mean, he's digging six feet mm -hmm. under and then 
those casket lids aren't aren't light they're pretty heavy so he's hoisting that up and then i mean the head's still connected to the body the thigh bones connected to the knee bone <laughs> i know i started thinking that too so it it he would have to twist it off i mean that takes strength that's the first thing you thought about <laughs> bizarre <laughs> who cares he's digging up dead bodies wow he's strong <laughs> He's got to be strong. I'm thinking about the steps of digging up a body and taking part of somebody home. But then he would return the grave to look as if nobody was there. So nobody even knew that these parts were being dug up or these women were being dug up. Nobody knew. Wow. He's good. (laughs) Although he never had sex with any of these corpses because, quote, they smelt too bad. Well, yeah, they're dead. His compulsions still fall under the category of necrophilia. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, some resources claimed he did have sex with the corpses. Think again, just to make it a scarier story. Because that, that's really what I've always heard. Yeah, he didn't. Oh, okay. He, uh, why it falls under necrophilia, though, is because he, he admitted to, I think, masturbating two or three times. Like, it still was arousing him in some way to dig up these bodies. Hmm. Yeah. Later Remember, he's up. reaching in and only grabbing certain parts, too. He's not... Well, we won't go into that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, All of these women that he was digging up resembled his mother in some way. It was kind of like a way of honoring her. It was like different things reminded... Of these women reminded him of his mother. And mm. it's like a closeness he could feel mm-hmm. with her. If someone would have peeked into his window one evening, they might have seen him wearing the skins of some of these women, wearing them Mm -hmm. and walking around being Augusta. That goes back to Silence of the Lambs then. Yep. Another movie that got its influence from Ed Gein. I think of the way he was raised. Again, just soften our hearts a little bit. (laughs) Beaten and literally brainwashed into these beliefs and strictness. He didn't know love, not the way you and I know love. Mm-hmm. And that was love to him. He didn't have friendship. He didn't know reality. And on top of that, he's suffering from, I think very clearly, suffering from a mental illness of some kind. So he really honestly didn't know any better. He's just trying to connect to her, this, mm-hmm. to something. Again, that does not make this right by any means. No. But we can kind of, that's where I start to feel sad. In 1951, Ed started going to a bar in the area owned by a woman named Mary Hogan. He was captivated by Mary. She used foul language and was a woman that his mother would have called trashy. (laughs) But she resembled his mother a great deal. And so Uh similarities and yet the differences, Mm -hmm. he was just mesmerized by her. After four years of an, an obsession, four years. Wow. Okay. December 9th, 1954, Mary Hogan vanished. She disappeared. Police suspected foul play because of blood on the floor next to an empty bullet shell casing. Ed later revealed that he had been hanging out with her, drinking. He randomly drew a 22 caliber gun to her forehead and killed her. Oh, geez. But... Ed went under the radar. Nobody suspected him of the disappearance of Mary Hogan at all. Police didn't gain attention on Ed until 
November of 1957, about three years after Mary Hogan's death. Ed was 51 years old. Uh, so there was a hardware store owner named Bernice Warden, and she went missing. Her son was a deputy. Oh. And when he checked the scene, he found the cash register was gone. There's blood on the floor and a 22 caliber rifle out of place at the hardware store. He also found a receipt for antifreeze made out to Eddie Gein. Wow. The Plus, this is his sale. mother, so he's not going to let it go. No. It's the last sale of the day. On November 17th, investigators go to Ed Gein's house. Keep in mind, the victim, Bernice's son, is with them. They enter through the shed, the summer kitchen. Bernice Warden's headless corpse was found hanging upside down with her ankles tied to the wooden cross beams. Oh, geez. She was slit open, field dressed like a deer. Mm -hmm. There was so much blood on the scene. I mean, there was, from where she was shot, there was a trail of blood to where a car had been parked. And then from Ed's car at his place, there's a trail of blood into the shed. I mean, it was, he didn't even cover his steps. Probably didn't even think to. And the sun is walking in on this too. Mm. That's just, oh, it's horrible. From here, they're like, well, we should probably check the rest of his house. Again, warning. It's getting gruesome. Take your drink. <laughs> Grabbing it. Mom, I'm now. sorry. <laughs> Human skulls were on all of the posts of Ed's bed. They discovered a box of organs. Furniture made out of bone and skin. So, like, you know, on a chair, how mm -hmm. the seat, we, seat cushion we sit on, mm -hmm. he had taken the cushion out and then stretched skin, skin where like on. leather would be so it's not like this entire chair draped and yeah skin it there were masks made of different women's faces but there was a mask of mary hogan the bartender's face and he had this was three years later he had preserved it so well that the, when the police walked in they knew right away that that's mary hogan wow yeah how did he have those displayed he had them just hanging on different things. I mean, he had them preserved and covered and they found a belt made of human breasts and nipples, lamps and light switches with human body parts and skin and bowls made of human skulls. Like I mentioned before, he had pieced together an entire skin suit from different parts of different women. I mean, he could wear it Oh, geez. and he did wear it. And it was complete with a vest with breasts attached. Holy smokes. The following day, November 18th, he confessed to killing Mary Ann Bernice. A week-long search began on November 19th of the 195-acre property. Deputies found more bones buried in like a trench in Ed's farm. One skull had a gold tooth and was actually believed to be the skull of a man. Oh, well, there's a change. So it's, I, I don't know if I just, and if I do, I don't know if I go into it later or not, but he doesn't necessarily remember, he's claimed, mm -hmm. digging these bodies up. He will remember going to cemeteries to try to be near his mom or what have you. But then he says that he goes into this like trance-like state and he just doesn't necessarily remember but yet he still made the steps to preserve these body parts yeah. and things. So I don't, but mom, he's also not, I don't believe he was intelligent enough to use that as a, 
as an excuse as an excuse you, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so it's almost like he doesn't remember doing any of this he was curious about it clearly he's curious about anatomy and head shrinkage and different cultures and stuff so it's like did he get all of this from the book and then self-consciously he's i don't know i'm not a psychologist subconsciously or... he's doing it yeah sorry yes oh yeah you know what i'm saying i don't i don't know because he's not intelligent enough to say i forgot i didn't mm-hmm. know what i was doing no does he have a lawyer well he does get a lawyer but, but he doesn't at this point it's it, no okay he doesn't have somebody speaking in his ear okay speaking for him and then in my research they charged him with robbery so that they could bring him in. And first, understandably so, they wanted to check and determine his state of sanity. Mm-hmm. The psychologist and the psychiatrist who interview Ed asserted that he was schizophrenic and a sexual psychopath. Oh. So again, there's no lawyers involved here tweaking a story. These doctors got involved right away. Right. Which oh, I just wish he would have had help before all of this. He remem- He explained memory deficits with doctors, claiming he remembered driving to the cemeteries. But while there, he would enter these trance-like states. Sometimes he wouldn't even remember driving to the cemeteries. He would just wake up there. I kind of, like I said, I kind of believe him. But yet, I just don't know because then there's the follow-through of actually skinning these corpses. Mm-hmm. And Doctors found, quote, abnormally magnified attachment to his mother, unquote, Uh, Within a few weeks of being held by the hospital, the judge received notice from the hospital that Ed was undoubtedly insane and should be permanently committed to the hospital. So he wasn't even going to go through a trial. Uh, While this is all going on with the legal system, word of his house of horrors is getting out to the public. And it's this big, huge scene. And the city puts things up for auction. (laughs) Ooh, the farm, the land, and some items from the house, not the house itself or any of like the skinned items. Or okay. Like thank that. you for clarifying that. <laughs> no, That's... but like they went through his garage and if they found stuff in his garage, like a lawnmower or gotcha. things like that, all of that's going to go up for auction. The town's in an uproar over this decision because they're like, why are we doing anything with this man's property? Why are we advertising this house of horrors? But a crowd of over 2,000 people arrive, and there's a picture of this. I need to share it with you so you can post it on our website. Over 2,000 people show up to this auction. So two items I just wanted to go over with you guys, but Ed Gein's maroon 1949 Ford sedan. He drove this. carried these bodies. Exactly. To and from cemeteries and transported the two women he killed. They've got to have blood in them. I'm sure they did. Ooh. They did, I'm sure. Um, there was 15 bidders on the car. The winning bid was for $760. I went to a carnival sideshow operator oh. named Bunny. Bunny put mannequins in the car to represent Gein and Bernice and made an exhibit for the county fairs around the state that summer as Ed Gein's ghoul car, the car that hauled the dead from their graves. For 25 cents, you could go and see the car. At a Washington County Fair in Slinger, Wisconsin, the sheriff shut it down. That the exhibit was didn't want it there. Kicked him out, and no one has, has seen the car since. Mm. I mean, that's gross, right? Yeah, it is disgusting. Okay, so tell me what the difference is with this one. A cauldron. 
a woman purchased it and used it as a planter. Now, the Gein family had apparently used it for rabbits and hunting and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then it was assumed Ed used it as well for bodies that he brought home. Okay. She purchased it though, and she used it as a flower planter for the bot and she planted flowers for the souls affected by Ed Gein. After her death, it sat in one of her children's garages. Later, a man named Hollis Brown, a family friend and an old neighbor to Ed, who helped the investigators with getting things out of the house at the time. He saw the cauldron sitting in this garage and freaked out. He recognized it. And this is what the couple's son said that Hollis said. <laughs> you following me? Yeah. Okay. Hollis saw many terrible things. He told me upon entering the home, he saw a woman's breast as the doorbell. Inside, he saw a skin lampshade, a comforter blanket made from human skin, furniture made of skin and breast, bloody gut buckets, a change purse made from a woman's privates, mm -hmm. a belt with nipples on it. When Hollis saw the cauldron in my parents' garage, he recognized it as the same black cauldron that he had seen Ed's parents use to render hog fat on the farm. He also recognized it as the same cauldron in one of the outbuilding sheds and remembered Ed's sinister use for it. He remembers the cauldron was covered in dry blood and guts next to two barrels and tubs of bloody human entrails, intestines. Fifty years later, Hollis recognized the cauldron in my parents' garage and turned white as a ghost. I asked, I asked him, how does he know it was the same one covered in dry blood? He lifted his arm and said, the hair on my arm stands straight up every time he looks at it in my parents' garage. Eventually, okay, so end of quote, okay? Eventually, they put this cauldron up for auction. Jeez, okay. And Zach Bagans purchased it. Cool. And now uh, it's in his me. museum. Okay. So where do you draw the line, though? How is Zach Bagans putting it in his museum any different than Bunny? taking the car around it's there's not. no difference there's no difference it's so disgusting to you're me. still kind of making money off of this this horrible kind situation that making money he has an entire exhibit now uh, you're making money off this horrible horrible situation as curious as i am to go to this museum i just i don't kind of bothers me that stuff that well, and he's got a lot of really gory, yucky he's a lot of stuff that, stuff that would not sit comfortably with me. No. <sighs> okay. In 1958, Gein's House of Horrors was destroyed by a fire, the origins of which remain unclear. Uh, a lot of townsfolk, I mean, police, nobody really even cared that the house caught fire. Probably kind of happy it did. I would assume so. After serving 10 years in the hospital, Ed Gein was all of a sudden deemed competent to stand trial and proceedings began. How did that happen? Is, and again, Medicine? Maybe drugs? Got him on track? No. I don't know. November 7th, 1968, the trial started. Took one week. He was found guilty of first degree murder of Bernice Warden. They didn't do a second trial for Mary um, because of court fees. Uh, they found him guilty, but they also found that on the day of the murder, he was not sane. Therefore, the court concluded that Ed was not guilty under the reason of insanity. Okay. So he's returned to the hospital. He's not like set loose by any means. Okay. He's returned to the hospital. He was 62 years old at this point. 
six years later in 1974, Ed filed a petition to the judge that he was recovered and he was fully competent and there was no reason he should be hospitalized any longer. I just feel so bad for him because he was finally probably getting the help he needed. Right. And in his mind, maybe he was competent and maybe he really was. Maybe he, with help of medication and therapies and everything else, he'd mm-hmm. already been in the hospital for what, 20, almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. He received a quick response from the, well, quick response. It took four months to get a response from the judge. A reexamination was given, but Ed's petition was rejected because it came back that he was not sane and he was to remain in the hospital. July 26, 1984, at the age of 78, Ed died. He was senile and had suffered a long while with cancer. He died of respiratory failure. He was considered by many at the hospital to be a model patient, mild-mannered, and he'd always help with all the other patients and day-to-day stuff, and, and that was his life. Well, finally, he belongs someplace, though. I know. That's why. He wasn't alone anymore. I hate that he's, like, trapped in a hospital, but at the same time, he's safest there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. What else you was going to happen? What happen if he was released? All these right. angry people or sick people that attack well, him. And then well, he wouldn't have been released, I don't think. But he would have been oh, even sent in, to but prison, even in prison. And, and oh, prison would have been terrible. So it's just. You see what I mean, though? The whole story is just so sad. It's so sad. (sighs) Inspired characters, you already named some of them. Psycho, Norman. Mm -hmm. Norman was, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Leatherface and Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that's uh, the story of Ed Gein. Okay, don't take this wrong. But I thought he had killed more people. I knew. I knew you would. I knew you would. I think... Most people do. He killed two people, two women. That doesn't make it right. That's too, too many. No, no, but Woo, too, too many. But I thought he killed everybody that he skinned. Now, dig in deeper and you will get lost in a web of, like I mentioned, they found that skull with the gold tooth that's believed to be a man. There are some people that did go missing around the area Ooh. that Ed was blamed for, but he never confessed to this. This was never brought to a trial or anything like that. Anything that was ever publicized by local law enforcement was the two women. So you have this story that's been, we keep talking about the media getting involved and blowing things up out of, blowing them up out of proportion. Hollywood getting involved. No, at this point it was media getting involved and blowing this out of proportion that, oh, well, all these people went missing, then it has to be him. Him. Because he's so sick in the head. And I'm not saying it wasn't him. Maybe he did black out and something happened. But yeah, he only killed two. That he admitted to, that we know. I mean. But I feel like he would have admitted to more. Probably. Being in the hospital for as long as he was. And the dude maybe just unburied the wrong person and it was a guy. And he said, well, that was a lot of work. So. Well, we only know of the bodies and the skins that were found in the house. Maybe he did go in these trance-like states and go and unbury tons of bodies all the time and then woke up and was like, oh my gosh, and I need to bury them or brought them maybe in yeah, the trance-like state. there was people, bones were buried on the property too. Yeah. In like a trench. That's where they found. Wow. Yeah. And what a gruesome, just gruesome sight that all would have been horrible. So yeah, I'm not making light of it. It's still gross, but it's not as 
horrendous as people. I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty horrendous. I'll be honest. <laughs> Come on, it's pretty Beth. gross. It's it's terrible. It's it's very horrendous. It's not as horrendous as it could be. I just feel bad. Oh well, kind of a warped sense of reality. All right, mom. What do you have for us? I have for you to hold my mic. Oh. We don't have a table in front of us. I have to hold your mic the whole time? No. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh. If you weren't pregnant, you would have. No. (laughs) Wouldn't have even then. I love you, Mom. (laughs) Your mic is heavy. (laughs) I know. Mine's nice and light. Yours is heavy. I keep changing. (laughs) Like lifting weights over there. (laughs) Okay. My little episode. Sorry, there's a deer outside. <laughs> Got distracted. Squirrel. <laughs> West Bay Lake is in Villas County, Wisconsin. The Chippewa people lived on the land before it was established in the 1800s. The land surrounding the lake was covered in thick forest, a perfect environment for the Chippewa to hunt, fish, and live. Summer Wind Mansion. Why do you keep looking at me like I should? I don't know this. Summer Wind Mansion goes along with the Summer Wind Cocktail. Oh, I thought I should have known the mansion. Okay, yes, your cocktail. Summer Wind. Summer Wind. <laughs> well, I'm not drinking it, so it didn't like resonate with me. Sorry. That That's the cocktail. Also known as Lamont Mansion, was built in the early 1900s. It sat close to the West Bay Lake and began its day as a fishing lodge. So... Very beautiful surroundings, just the forest, and then it opened up and you saw the lake. I mean, it's just beautiful. But then it went it went on sale. Went on the market. <laughs> In 1916, it was bought and renovated by Robert Peterson Lamont. Okay. The remodeling and revisions lasted for two years. It is not documented whether they were supernatural hap- happenings during this renovation. Very well could have, but we don't know for sure. But things did start to happen once Lamont and his family moved into the mansion. The story goes that one evening, the family was finishing dinner and kind of having dessert and coffee. And all of a sudden, the cellar door, which was in the kitchen, opened. And this figure came up and started walking towards the family thinking that it was an intruder of course it was that clear yeah i guess he grabs his pistol he shoots twice the figure disappears oh it disappeared it's i thought it's still gonna it's still gone gonna stand there like and then what? there were there are two bullet holes in the door still to this day not to this day for a reason but remember those two <laughs> bullet holes okay All right. Some sources say that Lamont and his family left the house that same evening. Smart. Finally, a paranormal story that they experience something scary and they leave. We're out of here. Never to return. I mean, they just shelled out a ton of money to renovate this house. (laughs) But (laughs) you know, all these stories where it's like, we witnessed all this haunting, but they keep sticking around. Yeah. They stick around. Yeah. He seems like a smart man, finally. I don't even think they finished their dessert. Okay, well, at least take that with you. <laughs> cake. Just cake. Constantly cake. 
cake. More cake. More cake. <laughs> okay. In the 1940s, the Lamonts sold the mansion to the Kiefers, who never lived there full time. So it was like a more a vacation place. Okay. You know, nice on the lake. Summer home. Mm -hmm. oh. Interestingly, Mrs. Kiefer never stepped into the house. She didn't like to fish, I guess. No, she, she, <laughs> she didn't like. She to go felt vacation. like there was something. Oh, for sinister reasons. Yeah, she didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, for senator. Oh. Yeah, for senator. Senator reasons. <laughs> for the sinister reasons. All of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, did you? Haven't you ever felt that? Oh yeah. As like, many times. I. I, I I remember one time that really sticks out in my head. Maybe I told you this. Fire truck? Yeah. Yeah. I know. And story. you were you were with me. You were just a little one and you were running around. But it was in Georgia and it was in an antique store. We went with friends. You might have been in a stroller. And it was this really cool antique store though. I mean it it was really large. It had to be big if it fit a it fire truck. It was really large. And I didn't know about the fire truck, but the fire truck was in a room by itself in kind of in between rooms. So you kind of had to go through it. Yeah. I could not. I, I could not make myself go into that room. Mm -mm. It just there was something so terrifying about that room. And I am not afraid of trucks, I'm not afraid of, you know, anything like that. But it was like an invisible wall almost. I, I know the feeling. Yeah. It's it's a very weird, something bad's going to happen-ish. Something it, happens. It's, it's almost like gut, not going in there. Gut-wrenching. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. And the other gals just went through with their babies and their strollers. And I just stood there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think if I've I've experienced that on paranormal investigations, mm -hmm. but you're already like alert to those kind of situations, sure. right? So I think I've only really ever felt that like on my day to day once when we were actually looking at houses to buy and there was this old historical home uh, in a historical neighborhood because that's like always been my dream. And we went upstairs and there was they had transformed, transformed, <laughs> bippity poppity boo. <laughs> they had reconstructed the upstairs to extra bedrooms and a bathroom. Sure. Wouldn't go up there. I couldn't go up there. Alex went up because he was curious. He liked the sure. house. He wanted to see it. And he said he even felt uncomfortable up there. And there's a lot of dead flies. And he's like, it's just interesting that I wouldn't go up. I, I, I would not just walking up the staircase. And I'm just like on the step, like. Nope. Nope. No, nope. no, 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 no. Something I'm not, I'm not going up there. I don't know it, it, why it was a beautiful house. Everything was painted light. There was lots of sunlight. So it's not even like you're going into a dark area where your mind yeah. starts to go there. It just, I know, yeah. I know. I never saw the but other side of that <laughs> antique store. Well, that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Could have probably found some really cool stuff. Oh, Darn fire engine. <laughs> it's weird they had a fire engine in there though were they selling the fire engine no <laughs> okay what's there to scare people i guess just you apparently because everybody else <laughs> meandered right through oh boy uh, okay it said that mrs Kiefer. so back to the story remember the Kiefer's? yes <laughs> she wouldn't step in the house she sold the summer wind mansion several times 
She sold it several times. <laughs> she sold it several times. So she sold it and then bought it and then sold it and then bought it. Well, most most I guess the people were like paying her like monthly like rent. They couldn't. No, she sold it to them, but they were paying her monthly. I guess. But anyway, they couldn't keep up the payments, or they just plain flat said nope, not taking it, and they just moved because well, they had sucks. You know, so she that. sold it several times. <laughs> wow. And some of these people were just plain flat terrified. So why'd they make an offer? Because they didn't so know. Wait, they bought it, moved in? Yeah. Okay, well, then it's their house. Then they should sell it. Why would she have to step back in? Like I said, I it? think it was like they were paying her and then they didn't pay anymore. And so then it belonged to her again. I don't know. <laughs> didn't say anything about realtors. So <laughs> sounds fishy about that story. <laughs> I know I'm not the most logical one on this <laughs> podcast, but that doesn't sound right to me. I feel like it'd go to the bank, not back back to the, well, they didn't want it. So it's yours again. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> Try to sell it again. Good luck. <laughs> the house was only lived in for a few months at a time. They must have just been renting it from her. So these... <laughs> logical logical explanation i can think of here <laughs> well nobody lasted for very long so after mrs Kiefer passed the house sat abandoned until the 1970s when arnold and ginger henshaw along with their six children moved into the mansion she had one last sale <laughs> well she's dead so she... <laughs> yeah, that's why i made a joke oh <laughs> Moving on. They began renovations as they lived in the house. Okay. Okay. And it wasn't long before the family started experiencing strange things. Disembodied voices were heard coming from empty rooms. I swear sometimes I hear. I hear voices. (laughs) Have you ever, have you ever like, like just this whispering kind of voices? I, I, I'm sorry, but I have in my I house. I have the mom ear where every time I get in the shower and start washing my hair, I think a baby's crying. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I don't hear whispering, mom. I think, <laughs> I think I'm going crazy. Checked out. You start waking up at cemeteries. <laughs> really? There's a problem. <laughs> no. Doors, windows, and kitchen cabinets would open and close by themselves. One window in particular would rise and lower at all hours of the day and night. So these are annoying. These aren't windows that open up. I mean, it's literally up and down. Arnold finally nailed it shut. (laughs) Well, yeah. The dancing window would drive anybody crazy. With you. Shadow figures were often seen, Mm -hmm. as was the apparition of a woman floating back and forth. Behind the French doors that led off to the dining room. This repetitive nature of the windows opening and closing and this woman just going back and forth. The French doors and she's like. (laughs) Not even that funny. It's not even that funny. But it is. She doesn't go once. And then disappear. But these people are she still. to make sure that they saw her. Okay, but listen to all these things and these people are still living here. You well, see what I'm saying? Now, some of this could have been exaggerated by the Henshaws, but they did document their experiences and things went from bad to worse. Appliances would break down 
It's an old house. And then would be working when a serviceman showed up. And this that happens have- all the time to me, though. <laughs> like, my disposal is not working. It's not working. The guy comes and he's like, it's fine. I don't. That's what happens to cars a lot. You and take it, it in as yeah. like. Or a doctor. It always happens with my dang kids. They have a <laughs> fever and a cough and I make them that doctor's appointment and bring them in and they're healthy as can be. <laughs> On the way there, even they're just driving me crazy. Totally healthy. Well, these appliances, I guess, were like your kids. <laughs> One day as Arnold walked to his car, it suddenly burst into flames. He burst into flames? No, <laughs> his car burst. It burst into flames. He's not an it. It's unknown as to what or who caused the fire. Well, well, you know. (laughs) Well, you take one of these things and it's like, well, you know, but you keep adding them up. And it's like, that's true. That's crazy. (laughs) As I said, they were renovating the mansion. They hired workmen, but often the men just are worried about bursting into flames. No, they just wouldn't show up. They would call in sick or just not show up. (laughs) That really happened happened. all the time. I don't know if that's paranormal or not. (laughs) That's laziness. Well, some said that they just weren't returning to Summer Wind because of things that happened. No, they said that the the story isn't that good. Workers that worked on the mansion just vanished. (laughs) Never seen again. The Hinshaws began doing work on the house themselves during one of their projects in their bedroom. The unthinkable happened. Oh, boy. Don't try to think. (laughs) The couple was painting the closet in their bedroom. And there was, I mean, I can picture this pretty cool closet. Um, In the very back was a large drawer or cabinet that it was shoes for shoes. Okay. So they wanted to, well... He pulled out the drawer so he could paint. And then he looks in there. He goes, wow, there's a dark space behind this drawer. So he's like, it's not against the wall. There's a space. And so, he, you know, they shined a flashlight, but it was a really tight space. And then he kind of shouldered himself in that drawer space. And he goes, oh, there's a a dead animal or something in here. (laughs) okay and but is long since dead animal that's what he thought it was so neither him or his wife could wedge in there so they waited for their children to come home from school and they stuck a little mary with a flashlight she crawled into the drawer and into that dark space and then she (laughs) my children would look at me and be like you're crazy that's like hey mary i got a job for you Never. My children would never. It didn't take long before Mary screamed. Oh, so she vanished too? <laughs> she had found a skull still holding black hair, a brown arm, and part like, of a leg. There was hair on its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's <laughs> holding it. She's holding you, it. You said it was holding hair. So yeah, I'm like, that was a really bad <laughs> vocab there. Uh, a brown arm and part of a leg. So That's she found scary if skeleton was sitting there holding hair. That would be terrifying. Now, strangely, the Henshaws never contacted the police about these okay, body parts. Wrong. In fact, from what I gather, they just left the corpse where they found it and just never spoke of it again. Well, because if you remove it, things could happen. But you 
found a dead human body, you should probably call police. I wouldn't leave it there. So they just shoved that shoe drawer back in there. And, and that poor little girl's never going to go into closets ever again. Well, probably not. Traumatized for life. <laughs> then things got really bad. Okay. Arnold, who loved to play the Hammond, I'm sorry, the Hammond organ the family had moved into the mansion, began to play it more and more often. He used to play it just to relax. Um, now he really needs to relax. And he <laughs> the was, dead body living in yeah. his walls. But the family would enjoy listening to him. It was just beautiful music that he played. But that music changed. Uh, it it became really fast and frenzied. Um, Ugh, and I'm not a fan of organ music. They were anyway. melodies that seemed to make no sense. And he just pounded. He just pounded on this organ. Arnold told his wife that the demons in his head demanded that he play. This is when you move out. The other family was still so smart. Yeah. His playing grew more relentless and fevered at night. So all night long, he would sit at this organ and just hammer away at it. Mm -hmm. It was so loud and crashing that Ginger and the children would huddle in a bedroom with the door closed, frightened and unable to sleep. Arnold had a mental breakdown. And was sent away for treatment. That's so sad and Ginger scary. attempted suicide. She attempted, did not. She and the children oh left gosh. Summerwind Mansion and moved in with out. her parents. All of this happened with a, in a six-month period. Really? Yes. That's terrifying. So it wasn't like they stayed there I'm for surprised years. I made a movie on this. This it sounds was, like Amityville. It does. Or and, The Conjuring or something. Yep. So it just happened within a six month period from the time that they moved in to the time that they left. Arnold getting better was not to be. So Thanks. he and Ginger were divorced. She married a man named George Olson. And life was once again restored. And it was good until... Raymond Bobber, who is Ginger's father, okay, he decides to buy the mansion. And he and his wife are going to turn it into a restaurant and an inn. Oh, boy. I don't think that Ginger, Ginger and Arnold really kind of kept a lot of this to themselves. In fact, they had never told anybody about the body or the body pieces, I guess. The skeleton holding all the hair. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this would have been a perfect place for, a, you know, a restaurant and an inn because of where it was situated, you know, right. by the lake, amongst the trees. I mean, it would have been perfect. Raymond, the father, knew that the house was, well, haunted, but neither Ginger or Arnold, as I said, had shared a lot of their experiences with anybody, including her parents. So while he was in there renovating... Um, and just walking around, he discovered it was haunted also by himself. I mean, because he would have conversations <laughs> with Jonathan Carver. A ghost? A ghost. Okay. Jonathan Carver is an 18th century British explorer who was searching for the deed that was given to him by the Sioux people, granting him the rights to the northern third of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why was he in this house? He had put the deed. Okay, this is according to Raymond, okay? okay? He had put the deed 
in a box and had hidden the box amongst the stones of the foundation of the building. It's not even his house, but okay. Okay. He's probably one of the people that rented it for a month and then skedaddled. No, it couldn't have been. He's 18th century. Oh. <laughs> so, <Never mind. laughs> quite honestly, none of it makes sense historically. <laughs> I mean, his like boom, 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 wrong, 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 wrong. I, it, historically in timeline, it it could not have happened. I mean, the house was built after Jonathan Carver died. Yeah. So, no. That's weird. Yeah. And the whole third of Wisconsin thing. Uh, no, none of it is true. But <laughs> Raymond did communicate with Carver through dreams and trances and the Ouija board. Oh, he became obsessed if he's he pulling out a Ouija board. He even wrote a book titled The Carver Ex. The Carver, Carver experience the Carver effect oh no <laughs> oh boy Raymond and his wife Maria his son Carl as well as Ginger and her husband George spent a day just kind of exploring summer wind I Wait, can't believe she went back. went back with her yeah. new husband mm-hmm. and it's like and they're just exploring this place George found the bedroom closet which had the secret compartment and began to pull on the shoe drawer and so her like, husband Dad, guess what there's a or oh it's her husband sorry <laughs> no ginger screamed and said don't touch that no 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 remember she'd never talked about this she never told her husband her new wrong. husband she just has never talked about it it was time to come clean now though <clears throat> down just shoes in that closet down into the kitchen they all trode and why well they're set to have a talk yeah they oh. had to sit around the kitchen table because she was going to come clean on this. She told everybody what happened uh, about finding the body. The men go, dude, all right, let's go. So Carl and her husband and her father all ran upstairs. And started pulling out all the drawers. And started pulling on the drawers and stuff. Uh, I guess Carl was small because he could wedge himself He's the into size there. Of Mary, okay. <laughs> there was nothing there. The body had gone where i don't know <laughs> body had gone <laughs> she she picked up her hair and left <laughs> don't know took that one arm and that one leg <laughs> and the skull and just kind of the visual is fantastic <laughs> one day whilst carl was at the house alone doing some work on the second floor of the house he heard his name being called oh, it was like you was this for... <laughs> no they never say my name i <laughs> What are I they hope saying, they don't. Mom? <laughs> hey, what are you... sparkling. Don't you need some? Okay. <clears throat> no one was in the house but him. Carl! Oh, Carl! Uh, as he ventured down the stairs <laughs> to the first floor, he heard two gunshots. Yep. He ran into the kitchen, finding it smoky and filled with the smell of gunpowder. He searched the house. Oh, yeah. But no the one kitchen. was there. As he searched the kitchen, he discovered two old bullet holes in the cellar door. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Raymond and Maria's idea of a restaurant and an inn was slowly fading. They couldn't keep workmen. Uh, Workmen would complain about feeling watched and complain that their tools kept disappearing. Maria herself was feeling very uncomfortable in the house. She told people that she felt like she was being followed wherever she was. Oh. 
I would be uncomfortable if like my daughter sits us down for the serious conversation and says there's a skeleton back there. And then we go and we look and there's no skeleton. Either there's something wrong with my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Or... or there's something wrong with the skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The following is like the oddest thing. Okay. Try to wrap your mind around this. According to Raymond, the house would shrink and expand. Like it's breathing? Well, let me kind of explain to you. I mean, this is so bizarre. He would measure a room one day and the next measurement and the next day, the measurements would be totally different. Like not only by an inch or so, we're talking extremely different. For instance, he measured the room where he wanted to set as a restaurant. Okay. And he thought, oh, easily I could fit 150 people in here by his measurements. Then he would lay his plans on the blueprints okay so he had blueprints of the house he measured oh yeah 150 people very comfortably in this house then he laid it into on top of the blueprints and it wouldn't fit no he could only fit like 75 it sounds like that show on netflix house on the haunted hill or whatever it's called haunted hill house haunted hill House. (laughs) there's too many haunted houses on hills okay Photos also reflected the size change. How? These, okay. He had pictures that Ginger took of the living room while she lived in the mansion. Her pictures showed curtains on the windows, curtains which she took down and took with her when they moved out of the house. Okay. Although the curtains were not on the windows when Raymond took his own pictures of the living room, his pictures showed curtains on the windows. That's weird. So it's almost like a residual type of energy that's going on in the house. Like it's kind of cool. It's it's... going back into time and then forward. And then back in time where it didn't even exist where some Jonathan guy is showing up and then forward. I mean, it's it's like, are you going to have a twist that that was Ginger in the closet dead? No. (laughs) The foreseeable future? She found her own skeleton? It's Mary? No, it's Carver. <laughs> that never existed in the house. <gasps> anyway, go on. So it's it's almost like time was distorted. Yeah. In this house. So weird. I mean, it's really hard to wrap I your mind around. Why? Okay. As you know, I'm a skeptic. Was Summer Wind really haunted? Or did Raymond come up with this stuff to stir up more interest if he had a haunted restaurant and in? He didn't open it, so I know. So, I mean, the story would make sense if he ended up opening it and then shared this fun stuff, but he didn't even open it. Ghost hunters and curious people came to investigate the mansion, tramping through the old abandoned deteriorating house until June 19th, 1988. A really bad storm came through the area and the summer wind mansion was struck not once, but several times by lightning and burned to the ground. Oh, it's kind of sad. (laughs) At first, it was thought that maybe the townspeople did it, uh, you know, to keep from people from going, yeah, you know, into the house and stuff. Yeah. But it was ruled as uh, as not a lightning strike, as, yeah, and not arson. <laughs> All that remains are the st- it's weird. I I've, stone foundation where Jonathan's stuff is hidden, not, <laughs> but the stone foundation is all that remains is this beautiful actually stone foundation and two stone chimneys wow from fireplaces 
But if you look at it, it's eerie, but it's beautiful at the same time because they suck you in. I mean, they, this guy was videoing it there during the winter. Mm -hmm. So the snow was laying all around and it was so quiet and it was beautiful. It was, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. And now, you know, it's, that was 1988. So the trees now are basically the only inhabitants. They, they would not only are around, but some are growing through through that the, where the house was. Yes. Yes. So as I, I was going to end with the trees are now the only residents of the place or are they now this, you know, this we run- sound so fake. It sounds like a Hollywood movie. Like we run into this all the time, but according to every site I was on, this is the most haunted place in Wisconsin. I've never heard of it. And even now they have, you know, if if you go out there, I guess there's a lot of orbs and there's a lot of strange lights. Oof. So Do they have pictures of the house? Like, uh, before online? and after? Yeah. I'll post them. I'd be curious to see what that house used to look like. For the most part, Spooky. it's like when it's sat abandoned. Those are the most. Sure. So, but I'll. I'll... I'd like to see the family pictures, though. That'd be kind of cool to see. I know I probably won't be see. able to. I never call or yeah. call up Ginger. Hey Ginger, you want to send us those family pictures? What's up? <laughs> How's Mary doing with their closet issue? There you go. That was a good one, Mom. Thank you. I thought it was kind of fun. Again, I'm the skeptic. I was like, what is true? What is not? But I, it, you know, it, it's written that it's very, very haunted. Bob, the online says it's true, so it's got to be true. Because what's on the internet is all true. <sighs> but with that on our side, it is true. All the resources from this episode are going to be <laughs> on our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. Mom also posts pictures and we'll do that on our social media as well. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, la-di-da, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. All of those social media thingies. So like I asked you in the beginning, if you wouldn't mind liking Hopefully you did like us. Subscribe and follow. That'd be great. Leave us a nice hello comment. Yeah, this was a good episode, Mom. It was. I don't have a drink to cheers you with. Well, pretend. You can toast our what-what viewers. What-what? (laughs) What-what viewers. I want to say watchers, but that sounds creepy. (laughs) Toast the the watchers. (laughs) Oh, cheers, Mama. Cheers. Love you, kid. (laughs) 